0: dress so fine, through the of dime in your prime. Then you, people call, say beware doll, you're bound to fall, you thought they were all kidding you. You used to laugh about everybody that was
1: Welcome. This is episode one ninety five of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Uh, our episode today is a review of antitrust compliance programs and trends. Hello, everybody. I uh, hope you're doing well. Hope everything's going okay. We're going into the uh, summertime here, and uh, life is getting back to a little bit of normal. And uh, so, hope everybody is doing well. Uh, I thought I'd. Uh, Addressed uh, antitrust compliance. I saw uh, this week, just recently, uh, there was a new and an additional indictment in the chicken-producing criminal cartel case, which is sprawling now. And I thought, what a good time to talk about uh, antitrust compliance to avoid criminal prosecutions. So before we get started, let's um, here's a word from our sponsor, and that is uh, Steel Compliance.
2: Steel Compliance is the global leader in compliance and ethics management. Steel's compliance and ethics platform is comprehensive, robust, and easy to use to promote a company's culture of compliance. Steel partners with the world's largest, most respected companies to deliver compliance products and services that help organizations embrace a culture of compliance while protecting their brand. Building an ethical culture is a complex undertaking that requires a detailed understanding of the global compliance environment, considerable time, and specialized expertise. Steel's end-to-end ethics and compliance platform is designed to provide compliance officers with the solutions they need to proactively address changing regulatory and reputational risks. Steel's ethics and compliance automated platform offers critical functions designed to promote a speak-up culture to advance employee engagement, reporting, and incident management, Investigate promptly and fairly potential incidents to ensure compliance with your organization's code of conduct and applicable laws and regulations, including anti-corruption, anti-money laundering, antitrust sanctions, cybersecurity, and data privacy. Manage your organization's compliance policies and procedures to ensure that policies are updated and disseminated effectively so that employees understand your organization's compliance requirements. Educate and engage your organization to promote understanding in how your compliance program applies to day-to-day operations. And evaluate and monitor your organization's business partners, vendors, suppliers, and customers to mitigate risk and ensure adherence to your organization's ethics and compliance requirements. To learn more about Steel's compliance solutions, please contact us at email steelglobal.com or call 415-692-5000.
1: So back to antitrust compliance and criminal uh, cases and cartel activity. I think it's kind of uh, important to look at this issue. I think that under the Biden administration, uh, we may see a slight uptick in criminal cases. What we haven't seen lately are sort of global criminal prosecutions more focused in the United States in activity like the chicken producers case uh, and the generic pharmaceutical case. Um, Those are the two probably biggest criminal cases that are ongoing right now, and I think we'll get back to uh, some sort of global prosecutions of uh, cartel activity around the world uh, involving uh, United States actors in in some way or another. Um, So let's talk about uh, the, the Antitrust Division in 2019 put out Obviously, very important uh, guidance, July of 2019, that followed the uh, Justice Department's uh, criminal division's uh, guidance. <coughs> and the five important points um, that came uh, came out of uh, the DOJ uh, guidance from the criminal division are sort of captured in the corporate compliance program guidance for the uh, antitrust uh activities, antitrust compliance program. But there's some important nuances to um, to the antitrust division guidance. Obviously, it has to reflect the leniency program, which uh, permeates all criminal prosecutions in the way that it operates and the credits that are given. But it does, antitrust compliance uh, starts out with the three important questions that we had from the criminal division guidance, which was First, is the compliance program well-designed? Second, is the compliance program being applied earnestly and in good faith? And third, does the corporate compliance program actually work? When you look at antitrust compliance, like other areas of compliance programs, we try to prevent and detect violations. Uh, corporate management or you know, tone at the top, senior leadership has to enforce the compliance program. And the key to an effective corporate compliance program includes efficiency, leadership, training and education, information uh, and information sharing protocols, and due diligence. Um, The antitrust division, like the criminal division, pinned a lot of uh, importance to corporate culture. Uh, And the uh, antitrust division recognized Uh, that, quote, if senior management does not actively support and cultivate a culture of compliance, a company will have a paper compliance program, not an effective one. And that is uh, the key, I think, to how you transform a paper program into a real and active program. And if if the Justice Department doesn't see that there's a a commitment from management that there's a culture of compliance, of expectations, not cutting corners, not, you know, winks and nods to allow certain activities to occur even though it's contrary to compliance and contrary to an ethical compliance program, they're going to uh, quickly see through that. So a culture of compliance in that area, the Justice Department looks towards What has senior management said and how have they acted to demonstrate commitment to good corporate citizenship? What concrete actions has senior management taken to demonstrate leadership and commitment? Uh, Has senior management tolerated violations and have they held senior managers and others accountable? Now, the antitrust division has a history of sort of resisting crediting compliance programs Uh, And one of the arguments they often used in that, and I have to say it's not entirely uh, without merit, is since antitrust violations, criminal conspiracies, pricing, or bid rigging often involve senior management, Uh, Why would we turn around and then give them credit for a compliance program if they actually engaged in the behavior itself and that face and so I think anybody with an antitrust compliance program has to make sure that the senior management commitment is real and tangible uh, because otherwise you're going to face a sort of contradiction or oxymoron on its face when you say hey we had great tone at the top we had great leadership and then Uh, You turn around and say, well, of course, four of the eight leaders were involved in this conspiracy. Well, that's not going to work very well. and So that tension is still always going uh, to be there. So in the compliance program elements, we see uh, nine, uh, the design, and this is uh, what the Justice Department expects, in the design and comprehensiveness of the program, a culture of compliance within the company. Third, responsibility for and resources dedicated to antitrust compliance. Four is antitrust risk assessment techniques. Uh, Five is compliance training and communication to employees. Six is monitoring and auditing techniques, including continued review, evaluation, and revision of the program. Seven is reporting mechanisms. Eight is compliance incentives and discipline and nine is remediation methods Um, just like in general with regard to a a compliance program uh, the uh, in the justice department expects there to be the same role for a chief compliance officer here who's responsible for the program to whom does the person report Uh, are they is it Are they given the authority, the independence, and the resources that they need to, um, you know, execute their job? Also, how often does the chief compliance officer meet with the board? um, And how does the compliance function compare with other functions in terms of stature, compensation, ranks and titles, resources, and obviously access to key decision makers? Um, And uh, another issue of concern is, are the compliance personnel exclusively dedicated to compliance, or do they have other responsibilities? Um, And what are their qualifications and expertise in this area in terms of the chief compliance officer and his or her staff? The resources is a big issue, and it's become more and more of an issue from the Justice Department uh, when they look at this and see through this. We also see an interesting issue with regard to the risk assessment approach here, and this is one of the the more difficult um, areas that have to be looked at. Is the company's compliance program tailored to its specific antitrust risks? Um, In other words, looking at the product lines, the industries, um, and uh, does it also include hiring and recruitment risks? And remember that because there obviously is uh, sort of prosecution going on of, of agreements among competitors uh, in the hiring process. But what they're also getting at here is, are you hiring and recruiting people from your competitors who uh, may be used as a bridge for um, material uh, information that could help facilitate a, uh, a conspiracy or cartel activity? Um, but what information or metrics does the company use to determine the risk? Um, do they look at uh, bid, review, bid information to identify possible bid rigging? Do they review price changes in advance to ensure absence of price fixing? And are the policies and procedures crafted with consideration of the risks and the changes in the business operations, and how often is the risk assessment updated? Uh, and and then, how often are those any changes uh, incorporated within the compliance program? Uh, we've talked about periodic periodic review, monitoring, and offer and auditing. And here we see that uh, very similar requirements, though that are required with regard to periodically assessing the company's business or certain business practices for compliance with the antitrust laws. Um, and uh, to know whether or not they're accomplishing compliance objectives. Uh, And they should review, the company should review and evaluate its antitrust program, compliance program on a regular basis and update it as needed. Um, Monitoring and auditing, and here there were some ideas uh, that um, the uh, Antitrust division sort of posited as sort of routine or unannounced audits of employee communications, and that gets much more difficult these days uh, because of, let's say, communications apps, use of personal phones, and the ability to retrieve such information. Yes, uh, we have BYOD policies, and we have to be very careful about uh, access to those um uh, devices for that type of uh, employee communications. Remember, the chicken processing or producing case was, uh, it includes a lot of evidence of text messages among competitors. Now, in a global context or in today's you know, ephemeral communications technologies, it, that may be more and more difficult. So be careful about that issue. And then, of course, you run into data privacy issues overseas if you have Uh, an alleged global compliance uh, issue with regard to antitrust. Um, Employee interviews, uh, screening and monitoring of communications and business activity, and even, and this is interesting, statistical analyses uh, there's, uh, there's a lot of thought being given into the area of statistical analyses of pricing behaviors and metrics and uh, ideas for identifying potential uh, collusive activity. Um, so that's really an interesting and growing area for monitoring purposes, um, and, that's, uh, and that's important. There also should, of course, be a process for revising policies and controls. And the business uh, in policy management has to be consulted, has to participate in that process. And DOJ, whether it's antitrust or criminal division cases, they uh, expect that to be, um, uh, they expect that to occur. Um, there are a bunch of ideas that uh, the, the, I think that look at proactive uh, compliance policies or practices. Um, It's good to have a proactive legal and compliance department that attends management meetings, that may regularly visit company facilities, Um, lawyers and compliance people in-house who are able to respond quickly to questions with guidance. Uh, Of course, we need a reporting system for employees to report uh, possible misconduct, for example, you know, hotline systems and all that. Um, business partner and third-party compliance uh, becomes important here in ensuring compliance with antitrust laws and providing termination rights. Um, we see a lot of uh, risks that surround trade associations, and we've, uh, everybody knows about those. But we see uh, there's training on tr- trade association behaviors. We also often have uh, legal counsel attend trade associating meetings. Um, and then there's some proactive compliance that's done on emails and documents, in terms of characterizing combe- uh, competition. You know, from my own experience, I've seen sort of uh, terminology that's sort of aggressive or exaggerated uh, in the in the reality, but in the context of an investigation, take on much more seriousness. Like when uh, we write things, you know, internally about dominating or controlling the market, eliminating the competition or blocking the competition those are all terms that are sort of incendiary but maybe said not with full-on honesty or accuracy but more uh, as sort of an aggressive motivational type uh, writing now with regard to audits we we definitely will conduct an audit at least a regular audit program at least once every two years Um, there also should be sort of a a tracking of antitrust advice and follow-up on issues a competitive landscape for example can change depending upon market operations and people who leave the market pricing uh, impact on the market uh, an audit should also include looking at you know pricing behavior pricing sheets uh, pricing changes in uh, a file review or a review of Computers, emails for uh, relevant documents. Uh, obviously, if a, an individual has a competitor's price lists, um, you know, Wally may have gotten or she may have gotten it, uh, you know, through public means, it can also be indicative of uh, secret communications. Um, and there's always, it's always important to conduct the interviews of sales and senior executives and look for contacts with competitors, be it emails, telephone records, travel, calendars, trade association meetings. Those are all good sources for audits. Um, it's good to focus on your C-suite and your upper management risks. I've uh, written a lot about this. Antitrust conspiracies often involve executive-level employees who have authority over price Uh, and then they may be needed to uh, ensure adherence to an illegal agreement or bid rigging scheme. So those emails and communications monitoring, looking at C-suite expense account audits, those are really important to do uh, because oftentimes they have um, expense accounts or little accountability with regard to their uh, certain expenses and travel arrangements and uh, of course it's good to have a pricing and bid review controls in place in other words in advance to have a documentation of a process and a review and approval process so that no one person can change prices uh, in a tender context a competitive bidding context uh, or even just a straight out market response or changes uh, there needs to be some documentation uh, about that so um, uh, we also always look for, uh, you know, red flags in this area, which are obviously we look at trade association contacts to see who attends trade association meetings. But what I've seen a lot of times at the at the meetings and the ease with which communications now can occur, that you don't need to facilitate those communications, you know, like the good old olden days uh, surrounding these um you know personal meetings that can occur um, we also look at data on market shares and relative stability over a period of time sometimes that can be indicative of a pricing conspiracy in terms of making sure that everybody keeps their market share and that there are no sudden changes on the other hand when you see sudden or unexplained price increases copy, copies of competitor price announcements Um, and you look at sort of email and uh, even uh, texting, um, communications, you may see interesting uh, developments uh, in that area. So one of the other areas with all of our automated platforms these days and the move to automation is that DOJ definitely has an expectation for data-driven reviews uh, continuous sort of monitoring and updating, uh, and the, that they expect uh, this information to be used, this sort of ongoing information for risk assessments, updating your policies and procedures and your financial controls, and the controls that we've talked about with regard to pricing uh, and other things like that. So that's just a quick overview of some antitrust uh, compliance program thoughts, and um, uh, just giving you uh, some you know insight in this area. It's an important area, and I'd like to see more people, you know dedicate time to the antitrust compliance programs, given the risk, particularly if you're in an industry with homogeneous products. What do I mean by homogeneous products? I mean uh, kind of the things that are fungible. In other words, the electronic capacitor criminal conspiracy involved, really situations where people competed only on price. The object itself was relatively straightforward, uh, and uh, you would win by you know reducing your costs or cutting your, cutting your price. Um, and so those types of industries are even more um, risky when it comes to sort of cartel behavior. So anyway, well, uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Uh, stay safe, stay healthy.
2: You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com.
0: About having to be scrounging your next When you discover that He really wasn't Bits